Hey, welcome to the um, to the Venari podcast. My name is Christian Owen. I'm part of the uh, life science and healthcare team, and more specifically, I, I work within digital health. Um, and I wanted to introduce Wise Shafter, who's the former CEO of Push Doctor. We're going to kind of discuss a little bit about virtual care um, and kind of the pros and cons of that. Yeah, no, brilliant. No, thank you, thank you, Christian. Great to be on the podcast. Uh, thank you for the introduction. And, and yes, previously I was um, the CEO of Push Doctor, so naturally spent a couple of years in in digital healthcare and everything that came with that. Uh, prior to that, I spent six glorious years running and scaling uh, the operations at Just Eat. Um, and then following that, I joined uh, TreatWell, which is Europe's largest marketplace uh, for spas and salons. So really spent the past 10, 15 years in high growth um, digital companies and, and healthcare naturally is, is booming previously, but naturally given the current situation, it's, it's even more so now. Um, I currently also sit on the board of the gym group. Um, I'm a non-exec there, so I'm still in the wellness space, but tackling healthcare from, from a different angle. Yeah. I suppose given that, I was just like wondering why I suppose you kind of veered more towards kind of healthcare. Yeah, no, brilliant. I mean, it's kind of, when I, when I think about it, it's sort of full circle, really. I mean, I spent six brilliant years at Just Eat, but you know, in a nutshell, we made the population fat, you know, we would say (laughs) quite greasy. And then we kind of made up for our sins because I went to treat well. It was about well-being, making people feel better. So then I joined healthcare and it was completely full circle. <laughs> kind of saving yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. Um, so no, I mean, I, I think, you know, when, when I got the call for Push Doctor and I met our chair at the time was a lady called Suzanne Given. Absolutely brilliant, brilliant chair. Um, I mean, she, she completely sold it to me when she said, how often can you work in a company where you save people's lives every single day? And that was just powerful for me. Um, and I think particularly, you know, healthcare is the biggest sector in the world. However, it's still the most unutilized um, uh, sector from, from a digital perspective. So from a challenge perspective, as well as conceptual, it was something I just couldn't refuse. If you think about, you know, your bank or your supermarket, you know, how much they actually know about you, you know, how much, kind of how digitized that market is. And then you think compared to healthcare, obviously COVID changed things massively. Um, and, you know, with what with the kind of the, the recent growth of virtual care, um, but what was your, because you were, I suppose, CEO of Push Doctor at that time, you know, when that came through, like, you know, how did that kind of revolutionize everything? It was, it was crazy. I mean, beforehand, we were seeing um, strong growth within digitalization anyway. I mean, Matt Hancock, I mean, he, he's done a lot of things um, and, and probably we don't speak too much about that. <laughs> but, <laughs> but one thing he was a huge advocate of was digitalization within the NHS, which was powerful. So even pre-COVID, we were seeing a lot of GP practices, hospitals, trusts transitioning to a digital solution of some sort. Now, of course, when COVID happened, it was amazing because you had the announcement on March the 17th or whenever it was when the prime minister came on and, and, and spoke about it. And literally March the 18th, everything had to go digital. Everything was closed. And it was just amazing how we had to transition that. Now, the, the partners that we supported, it was seem, it was quite seamless, actually. You just had you just completely switched it to fully a digital service because how Push Dogs ultimately worked was you know, virtual care is there to support. It doesn't fully take over the practice. So the partners that we had literally just threw everything at us and said, look, can you do it digitally, which was nice and easy. It was those practices which didn't have a digital partner and then they had to transition and then they had to get the training and the guidance, et cetera. And, and if I'm being very honest, at the beginning, it was, I mean, I called it the Wild West. I mean, you know, we've invested years and years at Push Doctor in governance, in strategy, in, in you know, our doctors to ensure they know how to do digital consultation. It was probably the only industry that I've ever come across, um, as, as vast as it was, that had to literally pivot overnight. Um, and and so, so for us, I mean, we, we engaged heavily with NHSX, NHSE, uh, NHSD, NHS England, um, to just really see how us 
as an individual company, but also collectively with all the digital companies, how can we all come together to support the NHS at this time? And, and thankfully we all did and, and somewhat kept the lights on during, during the pandemic. No, you're right, Weiss. It was, um, you know, it was amazing just how, you know, basically how successful it was, you know, completely overnight. But I think, you know, maybe as we kind of move away from, obviously COVID is far from over. Do you think people are having worse care because it's virtual? It's a good question. So, I mean, you, we, we can throw all the stats in the world. I think, I think the important thing is, is patient choice. If you're face-to-face with a doctor and a doctor sees you, examines you, you're going to get more stronger treatment there. But there is naturally that face-to-face element to it too. However, virtual care certainly has its place um, and it's just as safe. Um, and, you know, I could throw all the reports in the world to say, look, if you put data set for virtual care and you put a data set for in-person, it's very, very minimal. They're, they're, they're pretty much the same in terms of patient outcomes. Doctors and the yeah. clinicians behind <coughs> the scenes are very, very vigilant. So they know what they are doing. And, and ultimately, for me, it comes to patient choice. And I think the problem that we've had in, in the UK and I think healthcare globally is probably one of two. One is, you know, people usually go to a GP when there is something wrong. And the reason they do that, it, it's a mindset thing, but um, it, it's just a case of, look, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm not going to do it. When you think of a patient journey, you know, oh, it's Friday, I have to book an appointment. The way I book an appointment, it's like this. Then I have to take time off work and then I have to do this. It just becomes this long-winded process. And, and right now, you know, time is more crucial um, than, than it has ever been. And I think an ever-changing consumer pattern, behavior, and expectation is really changing um, all sectors, and particularly within healthcare. But the second point is around the data set. I mean, we are, we're privileged within the UK that all of our data sits centrally at the core within the NHS. And we have years, 70 years worth of patient records. And being able to really extract that and really feed that back into our learners is quite possible or powerful. And that's something that digital can make happen a lot more faster versus the analog ways that we've been doing historically. So I think from a um, healthcare science perspective, but also from patient convenience perspective, and also ensuring that the system doesn't collapse. I think um, digital is, is the only way that can keep things going for groups involved. But I think, I mean, both of them are just as safe as each other. I think, um, I think ultimately where healthcare should go to and needs to go to is patient choice. I mean, are you more comfortable going in person? Are you more comfortable doing it virtually? Are you comfortable doing it over chat, over the phone, etc.? What are your predictions for the future you know, around, you know, just kind of interested to know, you know, where you think it will go, you know, what kind of innovations can you foresee really? I think at the base of it, it's, it, it's the money, right? I think it's the investment. Um, and, you know, there isn't a resistance to use digital technology. The question is, who's going to pay for it? If, if there is funding of um, digital solutions, digital products, then how we get practices to um, um, receive that funding and ultimately implement that funding without it being an additional burden to them, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's huge. I think when you kind of put it into perspective, you know, typical GP practices or typical, typical hospitals, these groups are very analog. They've been on, you know, two years ago, they didn't have fiber uh, in their practices. <laughs> They're very analog, you know, uh, pages, fax machines. It's moved quite a lot since then, but you can't expect the market, which has been a certain way for so long, to, to all of a sudden flip and switch. And I think digital companies and push doctor, we were quite passionate about it when we did it, you know, really doing that handholding for a couple of years before we go into, into where we are, I think is quite important. But but also coming to so I think I think there's a big funding question which has to be answered. But let's just say in an ideal world, the funding is given and and, and we're great. Every single 
digital company I've come across, they really address specific needs brilliantly. So, so there's a company that specifies in UTI, um, which are doing really well. There's, there's some that specify in um, neuro, neuroscience, which is absolutely brilliant. You know, mental health. I think all of these companies how we bring them together as part of an ecosystem is going to be the challenge of the future. Absolutely. And I was just, just kind of coming back to that on funding, really. I was just thinking, you know, is it not kind of on the onus of, you know, private enterprise and obviously a lot of venture funding, you know, record venture funding basically in the digital health space, whether it be kind of, you know, platform or the data piece or virtual care, how basically virtual care will evolve, you know, um, kind of given the whole thing. I, I think right now what people need to get comfortable with is, is this a safe way of consulting? And I think really seamlessly integrating that. I remember when video consultations first came in, the, the first piece was let's bring in Skype. And because Skype wasn't integrated with the core clinical systems, everybody in the practice was like, oh my God, what is this? This iPad, this Skype, this tool. And it just didn't get utilized. And then people just ran away from it. There are some seriously exciting things happening in space. And I think from a virtual care perspective, there are um, platforms out there where through virtual care, they can see your body language, your facial expressions, and they can judge straight away whether or not you have a mental health condition, which is quite powerful, actually. And they can really get into that piece of preventative care. And I think that is the exciting piece and the exciting direction we're going to. I always do have to bring it back to adoption because as you know, there are brilliant tools in the UK and brilliant tools internationally. It's just if we don't get the adoption part of it correct and how we integrate within our core with in partnership with handholding, then ultimately all these tools are not going to get utilized in the biggest area. And the biggest area is the NHS. Absolutely, that makes sense. But no, I mean, you know, I think you've given us some some real insight there, Weiss. It's been um it's been lovely to have you on and um, you know, I hope you've enjoyed it and um, you know, thank, thanks again for your time. No, brilliant. Thank you for having me on. Really loved it. Yeah, no problem. All right. Speak soon.